I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Derek Hayes joins me again. The historian and best-selling author has recently published Incredible Crossings, the history and art of the bridges, tunnels, and inland ferries that connect British Columbia. It's a hefty book, beautifully illustrated, with terrific photographs, some that Mr. Hayes took. They look at the remarkable infrastructure throughout the province that have uh, allowed us to navigate the formidable terrain, rivers and waterways critical for our economy, as well as getting us to and from work. There's uh, some great archival material here, as well as uh, a vivid narrative that illustrates the history of a lot of these crossings we take for granted, as well as the political imperatives to their building, maintenance, and some of their futures. Derek Hayes is a renowned historian and the author of the best-selling historical atlas of uh, the Pacific Northwest. He's been on the program twice previously for his books, Canada and Illustrated History and Iron Road West. Trained as a cartographer at the University of Hull in England and the University of British Columbia, he worked for a time as a planner with the Vancouver City Planning Department. This new book is from Harbor Publishing. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Derek Hayes. Mr. Hayes, good morning. Hello, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, I had a lot of fun reading the book. I'll bet it was a lot of fun putting it together, was it? Oh, yes. I, I mean, that's the principal reason I write any kind of book is to have fun, for sure, these days. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just a, a whole uh, sort of like an art project for me, I guess. They're, they're beautiful photographs in the book, not just the historical ones that you've, you've um, say, recovered from archives and the sort, but photos that you've taken yourself. I was curious as I was looking at the book and seeing some of the photos that you took, what kind of camera you use? My uh, camera, a principal camera, is a Canon 5D Mark IV, which is a full-frame uh, camera that's, uh, you know, very very good and got good uh, dynamic range, that kind of thing. So it's uh, good for many, just about anything, really. Uh, the um, There's a lot to cover in the book. I, 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 I guess I'll start near the end of the book, where you, where you talk about the floods of 2021. Um, and uh, even that recent snowfall we had, uh, they point to just how essential these crossings are. We, we don't give them enough attention unless something's wrong, do we? No. Well, of course, you see, modern modern uh, bridges like the ones on the Coquihalla are, are basically flat, uh, concrete-encased uh, steel beam bridges, and they don't, uh, like, you can go over them without even realizing you're you're on a bridge mm. uh, quite quite easily, so uh, it's very easy to see how you could go over it without uh, paying much uh, attention to its importance. Even some of the the tall ones that are, uh, you know, the ones that are high up in the air, you don't really see it from the road unless you stop, and of course you can't stop. So, yeah, I'm thinking of the Alex Fraser, for example, or the new Portman. Um, if, if if a lot of us were on our phones a lot don't notice that i don't drive so i'm not uh, <laughs> one needn't worry that i'm driving and looking yeah, at my phone well, you, you, you wouldn't nice, notice yeah. a nice view of the of the port man when you're coming from the surrey side in particular right. because you're sort of coming down down to it yep. and round a curve you know so one of the photos in the books is is pr- pretty well exactly that view so it's a good uh, all-encompassing view but uh so you, you notice it there, but not, I guess, if you're on your phone, which, of course, you shouldn't be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, I mentioned the floods. Um, the, 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 I guess what will remind us as we read the book, just, just the destruction of a number of bridges, a number of crossings. Um, th- there's a lot of cost in maintaining these th- this infrastructure. Um, their destruction, could they have been prevented, say? 
sorry, what? During the flooding of last year, could some of the damage that was done because of the water, could, could that have been prevented? Yes. I, I, in, in, in most cases, I noticed that it wasn't actually the bridge that, that got destroyed, but the um, abutments, uh, the parts that hold mm-hmm. it at both sides, uh, was undermined by the sheer volume of water. And then the bridge uh, part of it sort of fell into the river on one side or the other. And um, that seemed to, from all the f- photographs that I saw, and I, I didn't go up there personally because I, you weren't allowed to, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got a lot of p- photos from the Ministry of Transportation, and that seems to be the, uh, the main issue. And, of course, in some cases, like on, uh, what is it, Highway 5 between Merritt and... Uh, and the Fraser and uh, oh, west of Merritt is the whole road went. So I mean, of course, the bridges went as well. You know? Yeah, uh, the speed at repairing and rebuilding uh, that surprised a lot of people. Did that surprise you? Yes, I mean, I think they did an excellent job of, of repla- replacing it, at least with te- uh, temporary bridges. I mean, most of the temporary, most of the bridges initially reconstructed were just uh, temporary single. Uh, often single uh, lane uh, structures, but they they did the job. I mean, it's a very important uh, uh, routing through the uh, through the Coquihalla these days. So uh, it's very important for the economy as well as uh, convenience of people to get something done really quickly. And yes, it was very impressive how they got it done that quick, for sure. There are certain bridges, obviously, that are iconic, like the Brooklyn Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge. Does... um Looking distinct like that, does that factor in the design of some of our bridges in British Columbia? Uh, no, I don't think so these days. I mean, something you could argue that that was the case with, say, the Lions Gate uh, Bridge, sure, uh, yeah. which was uh, basically very similar in design to the Golden Gate Bridge that was uh, built at uh, much the same time. Uh, but that uh, kind of bridge, the, sus- the suspension, the true suspension bridge, was a popular design for a, a, lo- a long span uh, at that time. We're talking about the 1930s here. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the, the new bridges are generally what they call cable stayed, which is uh, basically the, the cables go up and are supported by the, the, the piers, the two piers or more in the case of the Golden Ears Bridge. Uh, rather than from from just from either side, which is a, a true suspension uh, a bridge, but um, uh, yeah. Yeah, are, are, is there one that you find particularly fascinating or, or a favorite, say aesthetically? Well, I, I've I've always liked the Alex Fraser. I mean, that could be something to do with the fact that I used to go across it every day, I guess, but. Uh, uh, a, a, a long time ago now, I bought a, a fisheye lens for my for my camera, and a fisheye lens is, is it gives you a uh, a round view, but it takes into account 180 degrees, uh, both from side to side and top to bottom, uh-huh. so it can give you a very interesting view. And I I drove one of the things I did when I first got it was I drove across the Alex Fraser Bridge with the with the uh, camera with a fisheye lens on it pointing out of vertically up out of this the sunroof and uh, you get get some uh, very interesting uh, artistic type uh, photos uh, from that because it curves the the, the line of the uh, cables as well as the the tower 
Yeah. So I've, I've yeah, I've, I mean, I, I, that's kind of my favourite, I suppose. Although, really, the uh, the Port Man is very the new Port Man is very uh, similar in in its construction. Yeah, I, I always thought the Burrard Bridge was interesting to look at, uh, much more than say the Camby or the uh, the Granville Bridge. Um, but uh, you know, I've, I've heard stories, you know, about yes. it being haunted as well. <laughs> well, the, 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 you know, it comes from a different era. It's 1932 uh, that Burrard Bridge was uh, was completed, and that Burrard Bridge was part of a uh, a scheme to uh, create a, a whole sort of entrance to Vancouver with a, a civic center, and that is to say, like a city hall and some other buildings, uh, just on the north north side of of the bridge and the bridge uh, was the part because of the depression came along in uh, 1929 30 uh, the bridge the bridge was really the only part that survived this had all been planned uh, during the like in 1929 a year before mm-hmm. a year or two before the the municipalities of vancouver south vancouver and point gray had come together to form the, the city of vancouver we know today and so they wanted an imposing civic centre, and the bridge was part of that uh, the scheme. But as I say, it was the only part that ever got uh, uh, off the ground and uh, actually got off the ground in a more imposing way than was first envisaged. Uh, like the, the, the concrete piers are, are pro- projected above the roadway to form those nice uh, Art Deco-type uh, arches, mm-hmm. uh, largely to hide the visual uh, steel that you have behind it uh, uh, in the middle span, and uh, so it was purely for sort of aesthetic reasons that, that it looks the way that it does uh, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is a marvelous section of the book where you you show us the the, the beautiful rail bridges throughout British Columbia. Um, I've never been um, on rail in British Columbia other than, say, the, the train that goes from uh, Vancouver to Seattle and the Amtrak. And um, I noticed that the, 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 the trestle bridges, like the one that crosses, say, the Fraser or um, near Tawasa under Mud Bay, they're awfully loud. Is it because it's a wooden structure? I mean, does age account for, for a lot of that noise? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be uh, particularly noisy, although certainly when they replace it with concrete, that it tends to be... Uh, more uh, solid, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The, the one at Mud, Mud Bay, uh, you know, which is on the route you're talking about, um, across the uh, uh, the, the river where the river comes into uh, you know, Mud Bay. There, that was replaced with a concrete uh, trestle about uh, well, it's about six or seven years ago now. And uh, uh, but they're both uh, very great things to look at you know they're aesthetically yeah. very pleasing as mm-hmm. well as, as as very functional and and they're beautiful wooden ones throughout the province uh, these these ones that are high up and 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 they just look beautiful to look at yes it's it's quite amazing how how high they managed to build yeah high and wide that they built uh, things like the stony creek bridge in in the selkirks um, how how they managed to to build them out of short, relatively short logs lashed uh, together or pinned together, uh, but of course they didn't tend to last very long because railway bridges made of wood weren't really the ideal because, of course, they were all steam engines in those mm. days and they had this nasty habit of setting them on fire. Yeah. So uh, 
the, the CPR actually began a process, a, a program of uh, converting their bridge, their wooden bridges, to uh, to, to, to steel uh, quite early on. Quite early on, and for that very reason, they just simply. Uh, functional thing they didn't want them to keep burning down <laughs> yeah yeah um you you, you touch in the book about the politics of, of all of these these, these projects this, this infrastructure you write in the book about the, the lion's gate and the second narrows and as soon as um the 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 the, the second narrows now the iron workers memorial bridge was completed there was always talk of a, a third crossing I, I guess that sort of died down when 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 they put in the sea bus but um they're still talking about that, and, and do, yeah, do you think there could still be a third crossing across Burrard Inlet there? Well, quite possible, but it's most more likely to be a, tra- a Skytrain crossing, I think, than a than a, ro- a road crossing. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of politics. I mean, the the, the third, the, the the so-called third crossing itself was was proposed about 1963, I guess, as part part of the downtown. Uh, Vancouver transportation uh, plan that, that envisaged uh, freeways uh, all over the place, including through Chinatown to, mm. to downtown, and and for which, like the Georgia Viaduct, uh, as it is today, uh, that was built in 1974, uh, is the sort of remaining uh, uh, structure from that whole uh, plan. Although the Granville Street Bridge, uh, which is uh, at the time was uh, as Canada's only uh, eight-lane uh, bridge, road bridge, uh-huh. um, was also planned as part of a freeway system, and that was uh, was completed in 1954, and that was a very sort of far-sighted thing in a in a way because the interstate system in the United States didn't get approved until uh, 1956, so it was it sort of foresaw. A, a land of freeways long before they were even supposed to materialize. You know, the fact that they didn't materialize, in fact, was due to a whole bunch of factors beyond what they could see in, in the 1950s, you know. Yeah, and you know, speaking of False Creek there and, and, and the Granville Bridge, there was talk, too, about a, a sort of paving um, False Creek from, say, um, where the Granville Bridge is all the way to where it, um, I guess, ends today. Uh, by Science World, there, right? Yeah. So in the fifties, there was a, was this movement to fill in False Creek because False Creek in those days, of course, was a was an industrial area that was pretty uh, pretty grimy, and yeah. uh, it wasn't. Uh, they they thought, or some people thought, that it would be uh, the cheapest way to go, rather than building bridges or maintaining bridges, would be simply to fill fill the whole area in, but it wasn't until about uh, about 1954 when the Granville Street Bridge was, was finished that there, that there was a report that came out from the city that basically proved that it would not uh, be economic to fill it in, in that the cost of the, that the value of the land created wouldn't cover the, the cost. I mean, of course, that might actually be different different today because, uh, you know, what happened with False Creek is right. it, you know, under, underwent gentrification, I suppose you could call it, and uh, deindustrialization, and and uh, because of that, it's a lot more valuable uh, as, as land uh, than uh, than it was. And Granville Island being a case in point, where it yeah. uh, you know was a really really rather grubby uh, industrial area, and was created to be that uh, originally in about 1916, but uh, by by simply filling in the sandbar. 
but uh, it's much more valuable the way it is. But still, as you know, a lot of the industrial buildings remain mm-hmm. just been re- repurposed. Indeed. Um, Derek, uh, you mentioned the viaducts a moment ago, the Georgia Viaduct here in Vancouver. Um, they're, they're two, two or more councils ago, they, they were slated for demolition. Um, do you think, um, I mean, I think that's the plan still. Did, were you in favor of them getting rid of them? or? or? Well, it, 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 I mean, the, the basic rationale was that it doesn't, they don't go anywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. They only they only go into a basically uh, residential area on the on the east side, uh, and but it it seems uh, in a way it seems counterproductive to tear down something that is perfectly functional that's already there. But uh, you know it's uh, but the the report that recommended that showed that uh, I forget what the percentage was of it, but it was only, it was sort of less than 10%, I think, of the traffic leaving yeah. downtown uses mm-hmm. the Georgia Viaduct. Well, if that's really the case, which I must admit I have trouble believing, um, you know, maybe maybe it does make sense to, to tear it down, because certainly it's much uh, more valuable land uh, underneath the, the viaducts without the viaducts being there than they would be with the viaducts there. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it's uh, it may, it may make sense if that if those figures are actually true. I mean, mm-hmm. and it, they could be true. As I say, the, the the road doesn't sort of go anywhere, but it might be a lot easier and a lot more sense to just sort of make the road go somewhere, at least back to Hastings or something like that, uh, rather than knock them down. But, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or connect connect with Terminal Avenue in some way. You know, where they could do that probably if you did it uh, sensitively without knocking too much down. Yeah, I guess it could go from downtown to Quebec to Terminal. Um, but again, I, <laughs> that's above my pay grade. Um, the, the politics, again, back to politics, the, the Massey Tunnel, you write about that in the book, about how that would have been replaced by a bridge um, by, by the previous Liberal government. The, the NDP government has now said that it'll be a tunnel. Regardless, it's still not built. Um, do you find that, that politics plays a part in things not getting not getting built oh, uh, as yeah, much as yeah. things getting yeah. built say well it seems that the costs have escalated so dramatically uh, you know i find it hard to believe that these things cost what they <laughs> will cost what they say they will but yeah. you know, i guess i'm just behind the times you know uh, but um, you know all the fiddling around with whether it should be a bridge or a tunnel you know to me they should have just got on with something instead of fooling around with it uh, you know i i'm not sure how hard it could be to, to, to build a tunnel, a new tunnel or a new two tunnels either side of the existing one using the same technique, basically the same technique that the Massey Tunnel is, is built with, which is the sunken tube idea. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, that, I, that whole idea of sinking a tube into the, uh, into the bed of the river and then pumping, sealing it and pumping the water out was a conceived as a, a quicker and less expensive way of building a tunnel, one that was borrowed initially from uh, the, the Mars Tunnel in Rotterdam, the tunnel under the Mars River in Rotterdam that was built in, in 1944, and that's where George Massey got his idea uh, for this uh, tunnel f- from in the first place. 
But, uh, yeah, it's always politics, isn't it? I mean, I guess yeah. you spend a lot of money on a bridge or a tunnel. You're not going to spend it on something else. So it's all a matter of what your priorities are, which, of course, often translates to where the, uh, where the voters are. Yeah. You mentioned George Massey a moment ago. Um, a number of these crossings are named after people. Um, for example, someone under 50 probably wouldn't know who George Massey was or Alex Fraser or Arthur Lang. Um, there is a move afoot uh, to rename the Patullo Bridge. Um, in, your, in your study of these incredible crossings, what have you made of the names that some of these have gotten? Well, I, first of all, I should say I'm pretty sure that when the replacement Patullo Bridge that's uh, currently being built right beside it uh, is completed, I'm quite sure it won't be uh, named after uh, Patullo, who uh -huh. was uh, Premier of the province in the 1930s. It'll probably, ha if I know anything about it, it'll have an indigenous name of some sort. Yeah. But, um, you know, Arthur Lang was a, was a uh, federal minister of... Uh, something or other, transport maybe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and George Massey, I mean, it was reasonable to call, call the tunnel after him because he really did get it off the ground. I mean, the whole concept was, was his, and he, he promoted it uh, for many, quite a few years before he actually got uh, it, it done. And this, this was in the era of Phil Gagladi, mm -hmm. so-called Flying Phil, who... Uh, uh, was well known for getting things done in a in a hurry. It, it, uh, it, it was I mean, it was completed in 1959, and uh, it certainly it wasn't called the George Massey Tunnel then. It was called the Dees Island Tunnel, right. and it's still still referred to by both names. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's perfectly legitimate to call that one by uh, the name of Massey because he he was literally responsible for it. And the Alex Fraser Bridge, well, Alex Fraser was uh, was the Minister of uh, Transport, too. They basically, you know, while the, the idea was uh, uh, formulated as to how that the Alex Fraser would be connected, the whole, uh, like the East-West Connector that it, it basically c connects with was really the freeway system for the city of Vancouver moves, moved south, where it didn't, you know, didn't uh, erase uh, Chinatown or didn't erase... Uh, uh, building so much, uh, in it, it, but it was really the freeway system that uh, that Vancouver produced uh, belatedly. Yeah, yeah. In the eighties. Indeed, um, Derek. Um, you, you write in the book about various tragedies associated with these crossings. I guess the biggest threat um, to a lot of these crossings today are, are, are earthquakes. Is that right? Yes, I imagine they are. It's uh, you know they you have you know, done a lot of retrofitting uh, things like the Oak Street Bridge uh, ret retrofitted for seismic uh, uh, to be uh, earthquake proof. But you know, again, the problem is is they they do it up to they make it uh, earthquake proof up to a certain level of earthquake, and uh, if it goes above that, well then it's not. Uh, not uh, not 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 covered like it's not uh, yeah it's not going to work necessarily you know yeah and some some even though they've been uh, in theory made better like the massive tunnel almost certainly get destroyed in in a in an earthquake uh, so it, it definitely would produce a huge problem if something like the massive tunnel went that was uh, destroyed for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. At the end of the book, you talk about having had to leave out BC ferries in this book. 
Um, I couldn't help but read that and think that the, there was a, a future book in that. Is, is, that, is that... <laughs> Well, it could be, yeah, I guess. Uh, the, the, the inland ferries are really substitutes in most cases for for uh, for bridges, so it made sense to to include them. But if you start getting into uh, uh, coastal ferries, then of course you know it's, it's a, it is literally another whole book. <laughs> and uh, you know, you can, <laughs> I have a habit of making uh, books too large. Anyway, uh, this this particular one is 350 pages, and made my publisher pull his hair out because it was so <laughs> so large. You know, it gets to the point where it's not not economic if you're not careful. You know. But it's a beautiful. It's full color. It's a beautiful book because of the full color and 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 the the, the marvelous photographs in it. The one, especially the ones that you took. But by the way, um, um, Pat McGear died recently, and right. um, he, he was a proponent of building a crossing between uh, Vancouver, or uh, I guess the Lower Mainland, at the, what we used to call it, through to the island. Um, that would have been an incredible crossing. Do you think that was actually feasible? Say. Well, I think with the technology of the time, uh, no, uh, probably not, uh, and, and probably not yet. I mean, it may eventually be, be feasible, but the, the, the more pressing issue is the economics of it. Mm. You know, there's this, you know, these the tunnels, the big tunnels like that around the world, have huge populations either end of them, and and uh, the, the the total population of Vancouver Island compared to say you know, the mainland British Columbia is not really enough to support the massive cost that something like that would uh, would, would would take. But it was a, a very brilliant idea, and he pushed it very hard. It was at uh, Expo uh, 86, I think, and uh, I actually went to his house uh, once. He had this uh, model uh, of it stored in, in the basement of, the, of his house mm-hmm. and uh, allowed me to go and uh, photograph it, and that's it. That's in the book, too. Yeah, uh, Derek, I could talk all day with you about this book. It's it's a, a beautiful book and and just a fascinating one. Congratulations on it and continued good luck with it. I appreciate your time today. Okay, thank you very much, Jeff. The book is called Incredible Crossings: The History and Art of the Bridges, Tunnels, and Inland Ferries that Connect British Columbia. It's from Harbor Publishing. Its author Derek Hayes joined me on the line from White Rock, British Columbia, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plantev.